Sasuke goes for it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think you scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? And welcome to another episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. I'm Billy, and with me is a man that if I were buying and he were Nicholas Sula, I really hope he'd never leave me. It's Lewis. It's kind of depressing because Zula does end up leaving, but I've already spoiled like half the episode. Anyways, um, we have a nice little host of topics for you, starting, of course, with the whole Bayern Zula drama. Then we'll have a look at the top matches in the Bundesliga this past weekend because it's not every week that you get two crackers. Do you even say, is that even a word? Two crackers? Yeah, it just sounds weird in your Americanized accent. It really does. It really does. We're gonna find we're gonna scratch that. Anyways, we had Bayern versus Leipzig, where you might be thinking with Leipzig's performances this season, meh, it didn't turn out to be that way. And then also Dortmund versus Leverkusen definitely pro- held all the promises and delivered. And we'll round it out with a little look at Haaland's injury record. Yes, we know Bundesliga heavy, but there was FA Cup action this weekend. So sadly, not too much Premier League stuff to comment on. But without further ado, let's get right into it. So that's the biggest story that's been going the past few days, probably the past week. Zule is doing the opposite of what normally happens in Germany. He is going on a free from Bayern to Dortmund and not the other way around. Not every day you see that. Oh, how the turntables. <laughs> It's, it's a weird one because you think of the names that have been thrown around for weeks. Like we said it, what, two weeks ago and last yeah. week as well? Yeah. Barca, Chelsea. And this come out of... Left, left field came out of fr- anywhere. No one would have pegged that. Everyone was like, you know, if you were going to try and figure out a, who a dark horse would be, maybe would be Dortmund. But no one pegged Dortmund because everyone was like, well, if we're being honest... He probably wants a step forward in his career. And arguably, Dortmund isn't a step forward, at least in a sporting sense. If at all, it probably is a step backwards. So that's why no one expected. And also, no one expected Dortmund to offer Zula the money that Bayern wouldn't. Because everyone knows Bayern, Bayern were in a ranking of all European top clubs. They were fifth in the amount of wages that they that they were putting up. They had more they had a higher wage bill than Manchester United. Think about that for a second. That surely that can't be true. It wasn't by much, but it was a higher wage bill than menu. But who do, who do you pay extortion cuz De Gea is on like 300, Ronaldo well, is on way. nearly 4. Well, think about it. Lewandowski's on 23 mil a year which works out to almost 400K a week. Then you have Neuer and Müller around 20 mil a year. 
Sane and now Kingsley Kuman as well on 18 mil a year. And just like that, you've already got, you know, four players. They're all over or four or five players who are already putting your wage bill at over 50 million. Actually, those five put it at almost 100 million. Just five of your starting 11 are already on 100 million for wages a year. So when you think about it, it's not that surprising. No, okay, yeah. I just, I just always thought buying with a... I don't know. I just never thought they did really high wages, but it does make sense for Lewandowski, Muller, Neuer, and to be fair, Leroy Sane to be on fairly high wages. But I think... So... Something I saw, and I, I don't know whether you have an opinion on this, but someone, they, they essentially said that he's leaving guaranteed trophies behind to go somewhere where he feels more valued. Whereas yeah. previously, when it's been from Dortmund to Bayern or whatever, they've left feeling valued to go in search of guaranteed silverware. Yeah. Um... I'd argue that's correct, but I'm not sure if you're you're if, if you would be right in saying that you know you leave feeling valued to go to Bayern. In some cases, yes, but in some cases, I'd argue no. That's kind of a 50-50 draw. But where you say that Zula left guaranteed trophies to be or to feel more valued, that I would say is 100 percent true. Because I I mean his 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 agent said it in um, in a, in a uh, show on, I think it was last Sunday on sport one in Germany. And he said, you know, he was surprised with what conviction Zula made his decision based not on money, but on the trust he felt from the Dortmund execs and from the manager. Because if we're being honest, Zula is going to walk right into that starting 11 and he will be top dog in the in the back line that's his back line now he will be the so he will be the guy to manage that back line for Dortmund and I mean for Dortmund it's a hell of a transfer you're getting a German national team center back with ample amounts of international experience he's won everything there is to win he won the six trophies with Bayern the guy has experience beyond doubt, and he's a solid center back. I mean, for Dortmund, you, I could imagine they were popping champagne. Not going to lie. Well, what, Mats Hummels is ending He's aging. Aging quite, you know, it, it shows in some of the, and we'll talk about the, the Leverkusen game in a yeah. sec, but it, it shows that he's not got the legs anymore. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say Hummels from an ability standpoint is too old because I'd say his his defending technique, uh, his reading of the game is still sound and his, like, his mind is still quick enough, but it's just the physical aspect of his game that just can't keep up now with the pace that some teams can offer up front. And I say some teams, a lot of teams can offer up front. A kanji is a weird one. Because if you believe uh, Build, he's turned down a contract extension and United are interested. And 
you know, I, I said to you, yeah, that's all well and good, but he's incredibly injury prone. And to be fair, 90% of the time is bang average. Yeah. I mean, at the beginning when he was, when he was brought into Dortmund around 2017, 2018, that time period, he was the one who basically unseated uh, Matthias Ginter from the starting center back position. And he was definitely better than bang average at the time. But now with his, with his injury record, as you said, you keep seeing the fact that he needs to get back to the original form. And then the time it takes him to do that, he produces average performances and then he maybe gets to his old form. And then again, bang, he's injured. I I don't know what's happened. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's happened with Dan Axel Zagadou. He's just sort of fallen off. Also injuries. A lot of injury. The guy is also injury prone. And if we're being honest, the injuries killed him because he's a young guy. He needs to play. And then obviously if you're injured a lot and then the time he needs to get back into his side, let alone then a side that will expect a lot from him if he starts. That's not a good environment to be in. Like if, if you're injury prone and you're young and then you have to perform for one of the top clubs in the Bundesliga, that's extremely hard to, you know, not fall off the record, really. Yeah, I mean, since, since he joined Dortmund, I mean, one torn muscle, a muscular problem, knee problems, a muscle tear, a ruptured knee ligament, a torn knee ligament, knee surgery, and at the moment he's out with COVID. But yeah, it's just, He's 22 as well, man. He's two years younger than us. And think about the injuries he's had. That's, That's more injuries than some players get in a lifetime. Yeah. That, that, is, that is putting it perfectly. Because, I mean, how many times have you heard of a player who, over the course of his career, ruptures knee ligaments more than once? And this guy's 22 and he's already done it twice. Where, where do you stand on... I'm, I'm gonna. Is it Na- Namdi Collins? It's like a young 18 year old centre half that's meant to be on the cusp of breaking through. Do you think someone like Zula and Matt Swimmels as well? Like you've got two ridiculously experienced international centre halves. It can yeah. only be good for for him and for Dortmund, really. Well, obviously, yes, but it, it it makes it extremely hard for someone like that than to break into the team. The one thing that he has going for him is probably the fact that Hormitz is on his last legs in his career. And then he obviously can't really perform at the heights that he used to, and then maybe he can slot in and then learn from Zula or learn alongside him. But still, 18. We see it again and again that now players are coming in younger and younger, but I can't remember the last time an 18-year-old center back has gone and slotted right in and played a whole season. Yeah, very rarely. You think if if Hummels... So worst-case scenario, the start of next season, they've only got you know one fit senior center half. They wouldn't just put... 
Collins and they go out and sign another? Well, that'd be a short-term fix, yeah. So bringing this back to Nicholas Sula quickly. Will it work out, do you think? I think if if he can stay fit, because we have to we have to remember that he's also one of those players who's now 25 and he's already had two ACL tears, which also that doesn't happen that often. And it's one of the reasons why he's or he he took such a dive in his form when while he was at Bayern in the last or, or around 2019 because he ruptured his ACL for the second time again, that's at the beginning of that season. And so he, he was at that point, Bayern were thinking we need to offer this guy contract after contract and make sure he stays with us for the rest of his career. And then seeing his performances now, I can see why in Bayern's management, they've been like, "Mm, we don't know about him. And that's why we're not prepared to offer him exorbitant amounts of money because he was he was wanting to be in the same, uh, I'd say wage uh, wage status as a Lucas Hernandez, for instance, who was the eighty million premier signing that uh, for Bayern. And to be offered or to be making that kind of money at Bayern as a center half you really, really need to be top, top level. And I think that the Bayern management didn't think he could reach the heights, which I'm a little bit disappointed about. But if he doesn't want to be there, you don't force him. And in that case, Zula has probably made the best, I think for both sides, for Dortmund and for Zula, it's probably one of the best transfers that will happen this summer. I think it's the only downside is for Bayern not getting a transfer fee. But like you said, it's offset by getting rid of a player who just doesn't want to be there. Because we spoke, yeah, what was it, last summer, this summer, about those leaked texts to his agent, like get yeah. me a move, like try and get me to Spurs of all places. And it's like... This was 2020, these texts came out, like two yeah. years ago. So, you know, this clearly isn't a new issue. And to be fair, like like you said to me, it'll be top dog at Dortmund. Yeah. Well, I mean, the only thing that, yeah, as you said, the only downside would be that Bayern don't get a transfer fee. And you have to ask yourself what's going on at the top level there because in the span of one year, you are losing Boateng, Alaba, and Zule all for nothing. Three center halves where you could have commanded a t- like a combined fee for all three of them of around 100 to 120 million, if not more. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. You I mean, I would have argued you could have gotten 60, you could have gotten 60 million for Alaba, Boateng given about 20 to 30. Yeah, about 15, I reckon. Yeah, fi- okay, say 15 to 20. And then Zula, probably around 30, 35 maybe. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. I think the Alaba one probably brings it up more than the rest, but... Yeah, but maybe, that's what I mean. Maybe they That have puts got, it about 120. Yeah, maybe they have got those 
either Rudiger or Christensen sort of verbally agreed, but yeah, but that's the thing. You need to, you, now you have to get a center back who is by and large also out of contract. Otherwise, you're going to be putting yourself in a deficit, which is why they probably won't go for Delict, even though he'd pro he he'd probably be the best option at this point. You never know. They like I'd love to have a Delict over Christensen. I'm sorry, but you know Christensen doesn't strike me as being better than Delict. I think you never know. Weird things happen in football. Um, before we True. move, before we move to Dortmund Leverkusen, I don't know whether you've seen this, but it's something quite interesting, and I know you'd be really uh, interested in it. Uh, Bayern will host the first NFL game in Germany, like regular season NFL game. Yes, sir. So basically, they have a a four year deal. Sorry where for two years, the, an NFL match will be hosted at the Allianz Arena. And for two years, it'll be at the Deutsche Bank Park in Frankfurt, which is also pretty cool. But I mean, the groundsman at the, for the Allianz Arena is probably crying at this point because he knows that he's going to have to redo a whole pitch. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because... Uh, yeah, it's interesting because... I wouldn't have associated Germany with the NFL as much, but Sport well, show it. And yeah, I mean, you exactly. So you say that, but now outside of the US, Germany have the biggest NFL fan base, bigger than the UK, which is, I know, will shock some people, but because like, the NFL, yeah, the NFL UK games have been going on for almost 10 years now. Yeah, the ones at Wembley and now at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah. Is that because of the expats from America or is it just because? Well, one, the one they want to make, or the NFL want to make American football more than just in America, you know, a big, a big name sport. And you definitely have a lot of different players in Germany now making breakthroughs in the NFL. So you've had, I mean, you did, I think I'd say the biggest the biggest breakthrough that Germany probably have had is uh, Sebastian Foyma, who played as an offensive lineman um, for the New England Patriots and actually uh, won the Super Bowl twice with Tom Brady. So, you know, there's there's that. And now the hottest prospect is again at the New England Patriots fullback uh, Jakob Johnson, um, who used to play in Stuttgart. And it's, you know, the international pathway program and such that really is feeding a lot of German players now into U.S. colleges, and they then have the chance through that to make it in the NFL. Yeah, interesting. So that would be uh, definitely one to keep an eye on then. But let's yes, continue sir. the Bundesliga breakdown and let's talk. Oh, is the word embarrassment too harsh? I mean... Let's be real. Dortmund were definitely expected to take it to Leverkusen. I mean, they've been Dortmund are second, still are, and Leverkusen were third. So it was built to be a top match, which is why the embarrassment, I'd say, is big because no one was expecting, like everyone would have said it could have gone either way, but I don't think anyone was expecting Dortmund to be down 4-1 at some point. <laughs> uh, that's just, that's insane. Dortmund were down 5-1. It wasn't until the 89th minute that 
their backup striker, Stefan, Stefan Tigges, scored the 5-2. So for the majority of the match, they were down 5-1. I mean, you have to think about the fact as well, Robert Andrich and Jonathan Tars are on the are on the on the scores list. Yeah, but they were some really good goals. Yeah, okay. I'll give, Jonathan I'll give you that Tars one. was fantastic. And was it the was it Florian Wertz's goal? It was like eight touches from box to box. Yeah, there's something insane like that. I mean from winning it back to goal, it was eight touches or something like it, that. It was dis- it was disgusting how like how how Liverpool really picked Dortmund apart. And I mean Dortmund didn't put on a bad team. No, but That's hey, the it's, well. uh, they, they put out the My friend and yours at the back down Axel Zagadou. Oh and 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 our other good friend, Akanji. Might be the last game one either of those plays for a while. <laughs> Especially because Akanji then put a put an own goal as well. I mean that that's just that's just a that's just a shit day at the office. To be honest, you concede five, and one of those you concede because you put it in your own net. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Maybe we can see Pongracic at the weekend against Union. But I mean that the subs they made right. Okay, the starting eleven might not have been terrible. But the subs they made, okay, Marius Wolf for Mounier. Yeah, Marius Wolf, I don't know. Like he, he used to be at Frankfurt and he just kind of, I'm sorry, he's just an average Bundesliga player. He's not that good. Reyna is definitely better than Wolf. Yeah, but even Gio Reyna sort of gone off the boil a bit. Stefan Tigas, yeah. I, I, I don't know too much about. Well, put it this way, he was part of Dortmund's reserves until about last season where he came up, you know, when Haaland was injured one or two times and then he played in the Pokal. Um, so he's like, he's he spent more time with the reserves than he has with anyone else in the past few seasons. And now he's become a regular first team player, but, you know, one to basically fills out the bench and the squad rather than is going to start. Yeah, and Makoko probably will develop, but he's still really young. And he's 17, man. Okay, so title over because I can't see Bayern losing nine points worth of games between now and the end of the season. And yeah, does this not just highlight? I think, was it Gregor Kobel that said it? That without Haaland in the team, they really like desperately struggle to play the way they want to play. Well, and I mean, surely is that not just an over reliance on, on? Well, yeah, because I mean, the, the the whole the whole game plan is, I mean, when you look at them playing without Haaland, the game plan becomes kind of apparent. Get the ball as quickly as possible to Erling Haaland so either he can sprint towards goal with with the ball or get Haaland the service so that he scores goals so more or less they're basically saying we need to get him service 
and by any means necessary. Ah, here we Which go. Of the... Sorry, here we go. I found it. Uh, he said they play that way because without Haaland, they didn't have the height in their team to play differently, and they believe the quality. They believe they have the quality in their squad to do it. So he's all about trying to play from the back. So the first goal, where Zagadou gets, essentially, he sort of like has some sort of stroke and dallies on the ball, and Kobel save just ricochets off a Kanji. It was just a comedy of errors that first goal. <laughs> Just basically, I think slapstick pretty much uh, sums it up. Pretty much, like if you were to write a, like a horrendous own goal, you probably wouldn't have come up with it with that. <laughs> not even, not even then. So, where do you think this puts Dortmund in terms of? Because they're still five points ahead of Leverkusen. But Even with have, that loss, yeah. They have Union at the weekend who are fourth. That's not going to be an easy one either. And if they defend like that, and if Haaland isn't back. I'll tell you right now, it's not going to look good. That's what it is. Because Leverkusen have... They've got Stuttgart, which is a more than winnable game for them. So worst considering case, considering the way Stuttgart are going, they're seventeenth. Worst four case, points <laughs> behind four the points. relegation spot. Oh come on, man! It's just a calamity down there sometimes. <laughs> it's not even close. Freaking Goethe Fürth have ten points bottom of the table, and they're eight points behind seventeenth. Twelve points behind a relegation spot. I tell you what, it's a really, relegation playoff. It's really close to that relegation playoff because I. I'd wager everyone from Bochum down to Augsburg could end up, yeah, could end up in that place. So Bochum, Wolfsburg, Gladbach, Hertha, Armenia, Bielefeld, and Augsburg could all end up in that space. Uh, do you know what? It would. I like Augsburg, and. I like, you know, the way they play, especially with Ricardo Pepe, the new American guy. I think he's going to be really good. But people like Hertha, just the way they do business, the way they spend all this money and seemingly go backwards every season. If, if If we're being honest, that whole... The whole setup at Hertha Berlin, now they're losing uh, technical director Anna Friedrich, former professional. It's just, a, it's just a shit show. And the amount of money they've put in as well. If you look at the amount of, I mean, we already had this highlighted in what, uh, a couple of weeks ago, where we took a look at the expenses of Union Berlin versus Hertha Berlin, and then where Union Berlin are at, the point, at this point in time versus Hertha. It's night and day. Uh, and yes. also, yeah. I mean, Bielefeld, they're, no one expects them to stay up, really. Bochum, they're doing pretty well for the fact that, you know, they're it's the first league back or the first time they're back in the top division. Gladbach shouldn't be down there or neither should, and neither should Wolfsburg, but their run of form is just disastrous. And yeah, I mean, 
you're definitely right in saying because there's only three points separating 16th and 11th. It's a weird one. And, you know, we've said before in the season that Gladbach are seemingly they've gone full Schalke. Yeah. And More yet, or less. Schalke, you know, they seem to be having a, re- a relatively good season and seem to be enjoying themselves. I mean, they're fit. Well, but. <laughs> They're in the Bundesliga too. I don't think they're enjoying themselves all that much. Well, I mean, you know their accountants, I mean, like, their accountants are definitely not enjoying themselves. Yeah, but I mean, the, you know, they, they've been in some really like exciting games. You know, they've been scoring goals, and it's not just been a spanking every week. I'm not suggesting yeah, know, Gladbach need to go down, but well, put it this way: the fact that Schalke are only fifth in the in the second Bundesliga is horrendous. But then again, separating first and fifth or only two points in the second Bundesliga, so. I can't wait for Sao Pauli to come up. Oh, imagine Zank Pauli in the uh, first Bundesliga and then Hamburgers fall or in the second. Oh, how the turntables. Also, Zank Pauli are another type of, uh, they're, they're another type of club like Union Berlin. They've got like a cult stadium. There's just a cult club. It's sick. Like, it's, it's amazing. I love, wa- I love watching them play just because of their fans. The hipster's choice of German club. There you go. I mean, they say that because it's just the club is ultra left wing, but. <laughs> yeah, that's a. Well, we say ultra left wing. It's not, it, it's not left wing and like anarchy to the world, but. You know. They're, they're not they, they don't put it this way I don't think they they have any neo-nazis in their in their uh, in their ultra scene like uh, Dortmund do Christ right moving swiftly on <laughs> yeah just a little bit let's talk Leipzig okay so I, I said it in the uh, in the topics Leipzig are underperforming for the squad they have because their squad definitely showed they are capable of playing for European spots, if not Champions League spots. You know, a 3-2 loss to Bayern where they even had Bayern on the back foot at some points in the match. And Thomas Müller said it himself in a post-match interview. We definitely know that, you know, they're, Leipzig are a good team. It's They're just underperforming at this point in the season. Um, but Leipzig definitely have a squad. I mean, he said this as well. He had a squad, or they have a squad that can definitely play Champions League. And I think with their new manager, Domenico Tedesco, who you wouldn't have pegged to be able to make that much of a turnaround, given the fact that he was last managing Spartak Moscow. And then before that, Schalke. I mean... He did manage to lead that Schalke team to an unlikely second place, not two seasons before they get relegated. So, you know, the guy isn't an unknown quantity. And if you think about the fact that Tedesco also finished top of his uh, um, coaching class ahead of none other than Julian Nagelsmann, that should tell you something as well. Because like, that's what it was sort of billed as in Germany, wasn't yeah. it? it was sort of like clash of the grade A students or something. 
Yeah, pretty much. Because I mean, that, that's also the crazy thing uh, you have to you have to think about as well is Nagetsman wasn't top of his class, which just seems weird, right? It it doesn't make sense. But then you see then you see Domenico Tedesco, and he's like the clubs he's managed, and then where his career went. I mean, he got sacked at Schalke. And now he's turning Abby Leipzig around where everyone thought that they, again, were just going to turn around another promising manager into a world-class manager with Jesse Marsh. And then Jesse Marsh just didn't pan out at all, like anyone expected him to. See, yeah, Leipzig are a weird one. I think, you know, the, the game on Saturday was weird because, yeah, at times they had Bayern sort of pegged back. Yeah. And then, you know, they get level through and Kunku, and then what, like five minutes later, Josko Gvardio scores an own goal. Yeah, it's... I mean, put it, put it this way. Bayern still definitely were the better team over 90 minutes. But what I'm saying is that Leipzig took the game to them and it was an entertaining match to watch because it was a bunch of back and forth. And like you said, Nkunku equalized. And it wasn't like Bayern were just dominating Leipzig and then put three past them and it was a 4-0 win at the end of the game, uh, end of the day. So I'd say that Leipzig definitely showed what they're capable of, but now they just need to produce that week in, week out. And that's what's kind of been missing this season. Yeah, that's they've really not had any of that. And they've got who have they got? Do they play Friday night? They must play. For, yeah, they've got Cologne at home on Friday. And Cologne are definitely no slouch. Like they're one of those mid-table teams that you can that can always upset one of the bigger teams. Yeah, and you wouldn't put it past Anthony Modest to, you know, Bag a few more goals. I mean, the guy's only gone and scored 14 this season. And if you look at the guys who are ahead of him, Haaland from Dortmund for 16, Patrick Schick, Leverkusen, 18, and Robert Lewandowski on 24. Those are the three top strikers of the three top teams. And then you've got Anthony Modest, who's, you know, as I said, playing for a mid-league or mid-table club. And he's putting 14 in a little over half a season. That's pretty, that's pretty phenomenal. If you're going to ask me. Let's say if you were, if you were Leipzig, you sort of want Andre Silva to be up there. He's got nine. He slowly started to settle into it. I think. Yeah. He's, he's slowly, he's slowly getting there. If you think about the fact that six of his nine goals have come in the last few matches and you know, he was in, he also had a couple of niggly injuries at the beginning of the season. He took a little bit of time to get, uh, you know, to get in there. And just by the way, I say Kern are a mid, mid table club, but because of Anthony Modest's 14 goals are now currently on sixth. So they're pushing for Europe and that would be insane. That would be ridiculous. It would be interesting to see how they finish. The rest of their season, but should we finish on a little bit of a sort of negative note on one of the 
best strikers at the moment. This doesn't sound like us. We don't usually finish on negative notes. I know. Us being negative, I won't hear it. Nah, God come for, on. God forbid. But nah, for as good nah. as he is, Erling Haaland is oh, slowly, very slowly. I hesitate to use the words, but he's slowly becoming injury prone. Oh, he's he he's used the big IP. I've dropped that phrase. I'm not happy about it, but I can't think of another phrase. It's out but, there. It's out there on the internet now. It, it can't erase it. Once you move to Man City and never miss a game. Now I've said that. Would just be <laughs> that, that that is that would just be your luck, wouldn't it? It just would be. Having said that, I don't think uh Guardiola has that much use for him because he never likes playing with normal number nines with the exception of Robert Lewandowski. Well, that was more, you know, he's here, you have to. <laughs> I was about to say, he's here, he's probably one of the best strikers on the planet at the minute. You cannot and will not leave him out of the team. <laughs> so this season alone, he's been out twice with muscular problems and once with a hip flexor issue. So he's missed 17 days so far. Luckily, a week of that was international slash break. Yeah. And, but last time he was out with muscular problems, he missed three games. So it'll be interesting to see if he's involved on Sunday. I hope for Dortmund that he is. Yeah, but that's this is this is the thing that we've been talking about this over reliance on Haaland. It also has the other negative drawback that he's overused. Basically, the minute he can he play even the slightest amount of minutes, he's immediately thrown back. Not just for you know fifteen minutes, but for a full ninety again. And of course, that's going to take its toll even on a twenty-one-year-old. Even right. uh, even for a freak of nature that of of Haaland's stature, it's but still going to at some point make itself known. He came back from from injury and from his hip flexor injury, and probably got got a goal and an assist or something, and now he's injured again. That's my point. He's always just, he comes back, does brilliantly because he is just an exceptional player, but then he's rushed back in too soon. And I mean, this is already a, there was already a question of if Dortmund are too eager to overuse Haaland. And this was already a question, what, before the winter break? Yeah. So this was, this was a week ago. Um, Sebastian Kale said that he continues to work indoors due to muscular problem. Basically, nothing has changed. But as he said himself recently, he'll be back soon. And you have to, at some point, if he's making the final call, I feel fine to play. At some point, you have to take it out of the player's hand and put your foot down and say, no, medical staff say you have to have another two weeks of no, yeah. of no matches. You know, he might not be happy with it, but for the sake of his long-term career, 
because that's that's the deal, right? He's he knows himself that he needs to play and he wants to play as well, and he's going to be the first one to say, "Yeah, okay, let's get me back in the game." And he'll probably be the one to say that a week or two too soon. But the fact is that the minute Haaland said he's says he's good to go, Dortmund are going to be like, "Well, he says he's good to go. We're going to put him back in because we need him because we don't win games without him." Which you know, yeah. <laughs> They're not wrong. And, you know, you, you would probably think that most clubs would do the same, but it's the over-reliance on Haaland is not only going to make them or make, make it so much harder for, for them to find a replacement, but it's also going to impair the time he has left with them because he won't be able to get in as much game time because he's going to get, he's going to keep getting injured. Yeah, it's going to be that that case of anyone they bring in. It's going to be the same problem they had when Lewandowski left and they went through Immobile, Aubameyang, um, what oh, Paco Alcacer, Ramos, the striker, yeah. not not the centre half. Um, you know they they could go. You know they could get Patrick Schick or you know, any number of, of players and it'll be, you know, yeah, you know, they're, they're all right, but Harlan got like X amount of goals and they've only got Y. I was like, yeah, but you can't do that. You know, they, they could sign a player completely different to, you know, not a target man. Yeah. Like Gregor Koble said, you know, they can't play long when they've got Danielle Marlin up front because he just won't win it in the air. No. They have to get it on the through ball to him because Marlon's fast. But that's the, the, the beauty of Erling Haaland is he's both target man and relatively quite quick for someone of his size. He's not even quite quick for someone of his size. He is insanely fast. He's just quick full stop. <laughs> oh, no, he's quick full stop because you have to think about the fact that he is rivaling no, none other than Alfonso Davies for top sprint speeds. I did not know that. Haaland clocked 36 kilometers an hour, the same as, uh, as Alfonso Davies. Think mm, about that man. for a second. Since... Davies is known as the freaking roadrunner. Me, me. Exactly. <laughs> and, and Haaland is equaling his top speed. That's he's, he's, he's a huge guy as well for like if, for for a striker, he's he's an ideal size. He's around the same same height and same build as Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And while Ibrahimovic, technique wise, probably even better than Haaland at this point, still, I don't think Ibrahimovic, even at his best in his prime, was as fast as Haaland. Okay, do you think that's where the muscle problems come from, because of how much? mass he has to move around at such an explosive speed you should surely that has some sort of detrimental effect on because well, he's now, been out now within... we're getting into really medical spheres here <laughs> this is why well, i really want to have a physiotherapist on yeah we probably should do that at some point it would be so cool yeah i'm well this is only conjecture because Neither of us went to medical school, obviously. Um, I don't think so. I think it's just the fact that he's overused. 
Because if you look at so many other players who are extremely fast in professional football, you don't see them having that many uh, or that many muscular issues or whatnot. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's the fact that he's moving that much mass that quickly. It's just the fact that he's overused in general. Well, there we go. I think that's probably a good place to leave it this week. Uh, Bundesliga heavy, we'll put it this week. But yeah. as, as Lewis said, there was FA Cup. So we will bring Premier League back to you. It's been a double game week as well. So we will have uh, probably twice as much Premier League to talk about next week for you. Exactly. So we'll go from one Bundesliga heavy to one Premier League heavy for all you Premier League fans out there. Don't worry. Your time will come. Or as Ted says, my turn, assholes. We hope that you guys will, as always, like, share, and subscribe to AT Sports News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also check out all of our weekly episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And always have a look at the old ones because, you know, who doesn't need a laugh every now and then? And in case you missed one, they're always there. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.